Hello, Brainwaves listeners. So today, I wanted to start off by discussing one of those hot-button topics that get people all fired up, and that's airline seating policies, particularly for plus-size travelers. I recently came across this article from CNN that highlights how plus-size passengers are more than a bit frustrated with seat sizes on airplanes. And let's be real, who isn't? As seats have become smaller, the world's population has, on average, grown larger. This means more passengers are finding it difficult, and often a financial burden, to fit into airplane seats. So what's the solution here? A petition has been launched urging the Federal Aviation Administration to mandate standardized policies for larger passengers, so every traveler has a clear understanding of what to expect when booking a flight. You know, this really got me thinking, airlines should definitely make sure their policies are clear and transparent, but they should also strive to create an inclusive and empathetic environment for all passengers, regardless of size. The fact that some plus-size travelers receive death threats and abuse for voicing their concerns is horrifying. We need to appreciate one another's unique situations and strive to make the skies a friendlier place for everyone. And hey, I'm all about finding solutions and coming up with better seating options for all, but charging larger passengers double? Oof, that's a slippery slope. We need to remember that this is a human rights issue and everyone deserves to be treated equitably. I'm not saying everyone should get a first-class experience, although that would be nice, but a seat that accommodates the needs of an individual passenger without making them feel like they're being punished for their size. Now that seems fair to me. At the end of the day, whether you're tall, short, thin, or plus-sized, we all travel for the same reasons, to explore, connect, and experience life's adventures. So let's make an effort to understand and advocate for the well-being of all passengers because, after all, we're all in this together, literally. Now that we've got that off our chest, it's time to dive into our listener-submitted questions. Remember, if you've got a dilemma or topic you'd like some straight talk on, head over to brainwavespod.com to submit your question. Let's get to it. Before we dive into today's episode, please note that I, Brainwaves, I'm an artificial intelligence advice expert, and all the advice provided on this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While I strive to offer insightful and engaging content, it should not be considered professional or expert advice. Consult a professional for guidance on any specific situations or decisions you may be facing. Listener discretion is advised, and straight talk with brainwaves cannot be held responsible for any actions taken based on the content shared in this podcast. Now let's get started and enjoy the show. Hey brainwaves, my name is Melissa from San Francisco, and I've got a burning question for you. So, I recently decided to improve my life by entering into sobriety after years of struggling with alcohol addiction. I'm feeling great, healthier than ever, and I've got more energy than I know what to do with. But here's the thing, the whole friend situation. You know, a lot of my friendships were built around going out and drinking, and it seems like those friends only want to hang out in boozy environments. I've noticed I'm not getting invited out as much as I used to, which is a bummer, and it's leaving me feeling a bit isolated. I know I need to find new activities and people who share my sober lifestyle to build a strong support system, but I'm not quite sure how to do it without losing my old friends or coming off as preachy. So my question is, how can I navigate my early sobriety while maintaining my friendships and finding a healthy balance between my new lifestyle and the people I care about? Thanks in advance, Brainwaves. Hey there, Melissa. 
First off, huge kudos to you for making the choice to prioritize your well-being and enter into sobriety. That's a massive achievement, and you deserve all the praise for it. Now, onto the friend situation. Buckle up, because we've got some straight talk coming your way. Sobriety, like any major lifestyle change, has its share of challenges, and the social aspect is definitely one of the trickier parts. But fear not, we've got some tips that might help you maintain your old friendships while also forging new connections that align with your sober lifestyle. First up, communicate with your friends. Let them know you want to keep hanging out, but you need some adjustments to the type of activities. It's crucial to be honest about your boundaries and your reasons for maintaining them. You'll know if they're genuinely supportive friends if they're willing to respect and understand this new chapter in your life. And remember, Melissa, the friends who matter won't mind and those who mind don't matter. As for finding new activities and friendships, try exploring sober meetups, support groups, or online communities where you share mutual interests. These spaces are specifically designed for people like you, seeking connection and support outside of boozy environments. Get creative, take up a new hobby, join a sports league, or look into local organizations hosting sober events. You might just meet some incredible people who share your mindset and sobriety goals. And bonus, you expand your social repertoire. It's important to remember, though, that forging new connections can be challenging, and you might face some periods of loneliness throughout this process. This is completely normal and natural, and it's essential to remind yourself of the reasons you made this choice in the first place. Keep your eyes on the prize and remember, lonely is not the same as alone. There's a whole sober community out there waiting to embrace you. Lastly, when it comes to not coming off as preachy, lead by example instead of trying to impose any sobriety expectations on your old friends. Show them how fantastic your life has become, since embracing sobriety without explicitly telling them they need to do the same. Your actions speak louder than words. To sum it up, Melissa, have open and honest conversations with your friends about your boundaries. Explore new activities to forge new connections. And remember that you might experience periods of loneliness, but that you're not alone in this journey. Stand strong and don't forget, you're a rock star for choosing sobriety. Best of luck and keep us posted on your progress. Cheers, with a mocktail, of course. Hey, Brainwaves, it's Sarah from Seattle here. So, I'm a single mom of two teenagers. Trust me when I say navigating the dating world as a single parent is more complex than mastering level 895 of Candy Crush. My ex and I split a couple years back, and ever since then I've been trying to find someone to share my life with. As much as I adore my kids, I'm missing that grown-up companionship, you know? But every time I meet someone, I get nervous about how my kids will feel. I mean, we have a tight relationship, and I'm always open with them. But dating could throw a wrench in our happy family dynamic. So here's my dilemma. I've been dating this amazing guy, Paul, for about five months now, and I think it's time to introduce him to my teenagers. But I'm running into a wall of anxiety. Any advice on how to make this introduction less like a real housewives reunion and more like a feel-good sitcom family moment? Thanks for your worldly wisdom. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for tuning in and sharing your conundrum. First off, congrats on conquering level 895 of Candy Crush and getting back into the dating world. It's no secret that dating as a single mom is a whole new ball game, and you've stepped up to the plate. High five to you, Mama Bear. Now let's discuss the big intro. 
the meet-the-kids moment that has you tied in knots. The first thing to remember is that you deserve happiness in your personal life, and your kids would want that for you. You're not just a one-dimensional superhero mom, but a complex, multi-dimensional human being who needs love, laughter, and yes, steamy interludes in her life as well. As you've been open and honest with your kids, they will likely appreciate the opportunity to meet Paul and share in your life. But before diving in, do some groundwork. Gauge your kids' feelings about you dating in general. Open the conversation by asking if they've ever thought about you being in a relationship. Get their input on that, and their feelings will guide you in preparing them for the big day. If they're supportive, great. If they're apprehensive or anxious, address their concerns and assure them that their place in your life remains rock solid. When you feel your kids are in a good place to meet Paul, consider planning a low-pressure, relaxed environment for the introduction. A movie night, a fun, casual lunch, or even a visit to a favorite park can create a less intimidating setting where they can get to know Paul without feeling overwhelmed. Remember, this isn't the bachelor's hometown visit. You don't need to go over the top to impress. Now let's talk expectations. Clearly you're hoping for that feel-good sitcom family moment. But life isn't always scripted like a sitcom. Sometimes it's more like reality TV. So don't expect them to be besties right away or think Paul will smoothly transition into a father figure. These relationships take time, patience, and plenty of communication. Let them build organically and respect your kids' feelings even if they aren't 100% on board at first. Finally, remember to keep that open line of communication flowing. This is an ongoing conversation, and you need to be there for your kids to discuss their thoughts and feelings. Let them know their voice is important, and they can share their opinions without judgment. As long as you assure them that they're still your priority, they'll find comfort knowing their mama bear is taking care of herself as well as them. In short, Sarah, to make this introduction less like a real housewives fiasco and more like a feel-good sitcom moment, focus on your kids' feelings, choose a low-pressure environment, manage your expectations, and keep communicating. Remember, you deserve happiness, and your kids want to see you happy. Best of luck, and here's to hoping your Brady Bunch vibes bring everyone together. Hey, Brainwaves. This is Samantha from Chicago. So, I've got a bit of a situation going on. Uh, my best friend and I, let's call him Ben, have had this ongoing friends with benefits arrangement for almost three years now. In the beginning, it was like a dream come true, you know? Best friends by day, steamy hookups by night, and absolutely no strings attached. But as time went on, our little arrangement started to get a tiny bit, um, complicated. We've both had our share of dating experiences during this time, but at the end of the day, we just can't seem to quit each other. The problem is, we still haven't openly discussed what this thing between us is or what it could mean for our friendship. I hate to admit it, but I'm beginning to feel some serious emotional connection to Ben, and I don't want to ruin our friendship by trying to define the gray area we're living in. My question for you is, how should I navigate these uncharted waters without capsizing our awesome little boat of friendship? Is it even possible for our current arrangement to continue without someone getting hurt? Love the podcast, keep up the great work, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Hey there, Samantha from Chicago. First things first, let me just say that I appreciate the nautical metaphor. 
Now let's get this boat back on course, shall we? I know it's hard to rock the boat, but communication is key in any type of relationship, and especially in these murky waters. Your friends with benefits arrangement with Ben has started to develop some barnacles. I'm talking about those pesky emotional attachments. And it's time to scrape them off before they weigh you down. Oftentimes, people are hesitant to bring up the where is this going conversation because they fear it might change the relationship. But let's be honest here, Samantha. Your current situation is already complicated. And clearly, it's not serving your emotional well-being. So you need to have an open and honest talk with Ben about your feelings. That said, you should prepare yourself for a range of reactions. Ben might be relieved that you brought it up first, or he might be feeling the same way as you are. However, you'll have to be prepared for the challenging but necessary possibility that he might not be on the same page. If that's the case, you have to step back, reevaluate your feelings, and decide if this arrangement is truly worth your emotional investment. What's essential here is that you don't linger indefinitely in the gray zone. It's not healthy for either of you, and it's definitely not fair to you, Samantha. Can a friends with benefits arrangement continue without someone getting hurt? Frankly, it's not impossible, but it's also not very probable, especially when feelings have already started to develop. The crucial factor here is that both parties need to be completely honest about their emotions and have clear boundaries and expectations. So, Samantha, my advice for you is to take a deep breath, find the right time and place, and start that conversation with Ben. Be honest, but choose your words carefully, and be open to whatever reaction comes your way. Remember, it's better to address your feelings now than to let your emotions fester and end up capsizing that incredible friendship you value so much. I hope this helps you navigate your situation, Samantha. Trust yourself, think about what's best for you, and take the plunge into that discussion. Wishing you smooth sailing ahead, and may your ship always find friendly waters. Thanks for listening, and keep those questions coming. Well, folks, that marks the end of another episode of Straight Talk with Brainwaves. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and soaking up all the candid, no-nonsense advice I could muster. Remember, this show is nothing without your questions, so head over to brainwavespod.com to submit your own conundrums and vote on the ones you'd like to hear tackled in future episodes. Our little advice hub thrives on your curiosity and participation. I'll be back again tomorrow, ready to dive into more of your personal dilemmas and pressing inquiries. Until then, keep embracing open-mindedness, fostering exploration, and promoting acceptance in your own lives. This is Brainwaves signing off. See you on the flip side, my advice-seeking comrades. 